Hello, welcome to the Patriotic Communist. This is Max Rice, and this is the podcast where I advocate for a socialist revolution in the United States of America. We are in the historical context where we choose socialism or barbarism, and that has never been more true. Now, really quick, I just want to mention that this podcast is going to be dropped every Sunday uh, or Monday. So that's going to be the time frame because I'm a work, you know, I don't do this for a living. So uh, I'm going to give myself a little bit of leeway. But I really do think that this is going to be the schedule that I'm going to stick with. Uh, It makes the most sense for me. And I hope that it's fine with anyone that listens to it. But uh, yeah, anyways... In this episode, I'm going to talk about the need for an essential workers' general strike. I'm going to talk about how the government was aware it needed to manufacture a stockpile of ventilators, but capitalism undermined and eliminated the entire plan, which is why we have no ventilators. And I will also talk about some harsh words for United States foreign policy that came from the former president of Brazil. I will wrap up this episode by debunking the idea that socialism and communism are not compatible with human nature. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening and time to get in it. The first part of the show is current events, and in this episode, this will take up the vast majority of our time today, just because the world's imploding. So the first story I'm starting with is the most important, at least regarding our social unrest as a country, and that is the fact that April 1st has passed. Uh, nearly a week ago now. And a whole lot of people were not able to pay their rent. We are looking at this country moving closer to chaos every day. Now, in my state of California, uh, there's a statewide pause on mortgage payments for three months, I believe, at the moment. But uh, apparently, you just have to pay back all the money that you owe the bank as if there was no crisis after those three months. That's why I'm calling it a pause. So that doesn't help workers in an economic crisis. That just stops them from becoming homeless for three months. So essential workers need to strike immediately. We need to demand an economic stimulus that is actually designed for the people. It will not be lost on the workers that everyone that is still working right now matters a lot more than the people who own everything and make all the money from the work that they don't do. The workers will notice that this does not make sense. What purpose to society does the owning class really have, honestly, other than propping themselves up at the worker's expense, other than being a middleman to the worker and the actual value of his labor? It is a meaningless concept that we can move past. And I've heard a lot of people say things like uh, the essential workers of this country have never had more leverage or power. And while I get, I mean, I get where this is coming from, I disagree. Uh, the essential workers are always where our power has been. They, they have always had all of the leverage. A general strike for essential workers has the possibility to bring the oligarchs to their knees and listen to our demands regardless of a pandemic. The major difference is that the workers are now united, and we, t- we need to expand on this, and we need to do it fast. It has become so crudely obvious who is the most important members of our society, and that would be all the essential labor force. Because of this pandemic, the workers of the capitalist world are truly united 
with a common struggle and common circumstances. So the key right now, and I can't stress this enough, is organizing and taking advantage of this moment and these common problems among labor. We also need to be making demands for real, measurable, measurable goals. Without enough strikes, we are fucked. And without measurable goals, we're fucked. I really do believe that most of our major problems are systematic and that they're the result of the broken system and that workers must own the means of production and we must move past the profit incentive. We really do need that for stability, for sustainability. But with all that being said, what is absolutely imperative at this exact moment is that the workers in America demand a UBI of $1,500 a month at least, and Medicare for all, as well as better funding to hospitals and medical resources, because these demands all workers would agree with, and because these are the most time-sensitive demands, basically the bare minimum to avoid violent chaos. People will lose their homes. Yeah, sure, a lot of places, most places, it's illegal to evict anyone right now, but the second that they can, they will, and it's going to it's going to be so many more people than anything we've seen before. This is going to be bigger than the Great Depression. People don't, I really don't think people get it yet. The projections right now are very significantly worse than the Great Depression. It's not conjecture when I say that. Look at the idea of this fitting into a socialist revolution like this. These demands of UBI, Medicare for All, and medical equipment, you could compare them to a very much needed bandage on an open wound that is dramatically bleeding out right now. Don't get me wrong though, in the long run, the wound will get infected more extremely over time by the sickness of capitalism. And socialism and communism would be the antibiotics that we will need. Remember, there's also a climate crisis happening right now. It's just more gradual. And these demands do nothing for that. Medicare for all does nothing for the climate crisis and neither does a UBI. So I also can't stress enough that this strike should only be the beginning. That if we did get UBI and we got Medicare for all, that can only be the beginning. That is not gonna solve things. We cannot lose momentum while this movement is building up. And I guarantee you guys, a movement is building up. There's strikes all over the place. I live in San Diego, and the fire season is starting back up, which climate change is making worse. So we will have full hospitals while our state is on fire. We are in a state of crisis in so many different ways. It is time for bold, systematic change. And if we don't eventually get there, then we're just postponing our death. But right now, if we want to make it past the next few fucking months, with a, an intact society, we need to do this strike now and we need to make these demands now. Every single minute counts. Every single second counts. Because every single minute, Americans are getting more desperate. Uh, in Italy, in Sicily, the less developed part of Italy, people were filling up grocery carts and grocery stores and running out because they had no money. That's gonna happen in America way faster. Half of this country makes under 30 grand a year. More than half, I'm pretty sure more than half of the country lives paycheck to paycheck. And most people just, a ton of people just stop getting paychecks. So right now, every minute that goes by is a big deal. But right now, we must have an essential workers general strike with these demands in the very least. 
I'm going to list some links of some organized strike activity. So if you want to help the fight for our fucking lives, I'll have some links you can check out and email me about any strike or movement you want me to check out and mention on the show. Uh, so please look them up. Uh, uh, support different unions that are doing good things right now. We need, we need to do everything we can get. Every single politician in Washington, D.C., including the Senate, the House, and the White House, have all abandoned us and left us without any leadership at all. Every single one of them. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. If there's ever a time to demand human rights for workers, at the very fucking least, it is right now. And sadly, because our politicians are either corrupt and serving the empire, or they are all cowards and serving their self-interest, either way, it isn't leadership. It's not even close to what we need. That's why we need to organize now and start supporting our labor unions and reaching out to each other again and wait for a re leader to rise out of it again i'm going to list some critical worker strikes that are happening right now in the description of the podcast so please check those out now i have some news about the tragically inadequate response from our government regarding the covid19 pandemic i wish there was good news but there's i don't think there's going to be good news for a while that is worth putting into my podcast because the the news that i that i picked to put in here by the way is just stuff that i feel like i that isn't being talked about enough, like the specific pieces that people are missing of the puzzle and everything. But anyways, my next story is related to COVID-19. So there is a New York Times article that exposed the real reason the United States is so unprepared for this crisis, specifically in the case of ventilators. Now, I do not recommend the New York Times as a news source at all. They are despicable in a lot of ways. But I believe this is a perfect story that really illustrates how capitalism is not functional and has a high human cost. Of course, the New York Times didn't mention that part. But uh, And real quick, before I read this part of the article I have here, I will explain what a ventilator is. And what they are is a machine that will basically breathe for you in case something like a disease is shutting down your ability to breathe, something like pneumonia. So basically a breathing machine. So for a severe case of respiratory illness, it is a life-saving piece of medical equipment, and COVID-19 often kills people through causing severe cases of respiratory illnesses. <laughs> so they pretty much die from not being able to breathe. Hence why a breathing machine is able to save lots of lives, uh, especially an abundance of them during a, a viral pandemic uh, that causes respiratory illness diseases, which is coronaviruses, is a family of viruses that does that. So our government was very aware that ventilators were an essential piece of equipment for protecting people against a viral pandemic. And they were also aware that we did not possess anywhere near an adequate stockpile. So apparently, they made a plan to produce this stockpile, but our corrupted capitalist system ruined it. Here's some of the article which is written by uh, Nicholas Kulish, Sarah Cliff, and Jessica Silver-Greenberg in the uh, New York Times. 13 years ago, a group of U.S. public health officials came up with a plan to address what they regarded as one of the medical system's crucial vulnerabilities, a shortage of ventilators. The breathing assistance machines tended to be bulky, expensive, and limited in number. The plan was to build a large fleet of inexpensive portable devices to deploy in a flu pandemic or another crisis. Money was budgeted, a federal contract was signed, work got underway. 
and then things suddenly veered off course. A multi-billion dollar maker of medical devices bought the small California company that had been hired to design the new machines. The project ultimately produced zero ventilators. That failure delayed the development of an affordable ventilator by at least half a decade, depriving hospitals, states, and the federal government of the ability to stock up. The federal government started uh, the federal government started over with another company in 2014 whose ventilators was approved only last year and whose products have not yet been delivered. So the reason this company with the original contract was bought is because they were making better and cheaper ventilators, but this giant healthcare company already owned another ventilator company. So they bought their competition and canceled the contract. So they were too late. Capitalism was not going to allow public safety to affect profits. And make no mistake, the number of ventilators we have right now makes a massive difference in the death toll that we are going to see. And no one can argue that if we had a socialist system where private ownership of production did not exist, this problem would not have ever happened. One other piece of news I want to mention regarding the COVID-19 uh, situation is the expected death toll numbers that came out of the White House. Trump is prepared for a death toll between 100,000 and 250,000 Americans. This is not even close to reality. Uh, with how our hospitals will become overburdened and with the infection numbers they're estimating, this estimated death toll really does not add up at all. Uh, I'm not a math genius, but I did a little bit of math, and I don't see how this is possible. It is likely going to be something like millions of Americans will die from this disease. And I made a point to mention this because mainstream news seems to simply be repeating clearly false numbers that are coming out of the White House, rather than fact check it. It really doesn't take a genius to see there's something off with these estimates. Yes, the reality is obscene and disturbing, but it is important that we stay in reality in order to adequately respond. Now on to the next story in current events. Former president of Brazil, Lula, extensively criticized the United States foreign policy in Latin America. Now, Lula is not some random politician. He is one of the most popular politicians in Brazil's history. When he finished his second term as head of state, he had an 87% approval rating. And I think that goes without saying that it's super high. He had an interview with uh, Foja de Espalo, the most popular Brazilian newspaper, and is also a very corporate news source. In the interview, he gave strong defense and support of the Venezuelan president, as well as expressing a degree of support for Evo Morales, who is the voted-in left-wing president of Bolivia, who was a victim of a violent coup where he was forced to flee Bolivia. These criticisms have been absent from any mainstream media in the United States, but Spanish outlets and others are talking about this. So I think it is a great story to help expose the American exceptionalist bubble of the United States when it comes to public awareness and opinion. A huge amount of the world looks at the American empire with spite. And it's not because there's something wrong with all of them. It is because there's something wrong with us, in particular, uh, the oligarchs that have a stranglehold around our democracy, including our foreign policy decisions. We will not tolerate the idea of sovereign countries in our hemisphere nationalizing their natural resources. 
And this is because of capitalism. Our foreign policy forces certain countries to stay third world and rejects their democracy, while we propagandize our citizens into believing that we do it for the exact opposite reason. But it just happens to do the opposite thing every time. Because we make mistakes. It can't be that we were trying to do something else. It's just that, ah, we tried to bring democracy there and, ah, it didn't work. We'll try bringing it over here. South America is riddled with crime, violence, and political unrest as a side effect of our foreign policy. Don't allow our system to convince you of an American supremacist mindset. All the civilians and soldiers that have died in these endless Middle East wars have not died for a just cause. They did not die for a greater good. They died for a greater evil. All the innocent people who have fallen victim to the violence of the drug war in Latin America did not die due to good intentions. You can root the intentions of the drug war to capital and ownership, just like you can for the war against terrorism. Imperialism and capitalism go together quite naturally. Now, I'm going to read some quotes of Lula regarding the United States foreign policy from this interview. So when he was replying, so when Lula was replying to claims of uh, the Bolivian elections not being legitimate and marred with complications, in air quotes. Uh, now, the idea that Evo Morales stole the election has been thoroughly debunked. But regardless, I think that there is an important point in, uh, in Lula's response. So what he said was, Wasn't George Bush complicated in his election against Al Gore? It was complicated. Bush took control of the government for eight years. Was Trump not complicated? It was complicated. And he took power. So I brought these quotes up to emphasize that we aren't any different, special, more pure version of democracy compared to other countries. I mean, George Bush lost the popular vote in 2000, and Trump lost the popular vote in 2016. Would we have been okay with another country coming in and fixing our democracy? Or would we see that as a huge infringement on our sovereignty? I'm pretty damn sure that we would not have been okay with it. And the rest of the planet feels the same way. If you catch yourself thinking from an American supremacist perspective, my advice would be to stop reading the New York Times or Washington Post and stop watching pretty much all cable news. Do your own fact-checking. In this age of unlimited sources of information and tools for verifying information, we all have to educate ourselves. Some journalists I would recommend to start seeing the bigger picture would be Abby Martin and Max Blumenthal and Aaron Mattei. All fantastic. Anyways, now time for the second section of this podcast where I make the case for socialism. So today for the second part of the podcast, I'm going to address a common argument against socialism in American society. I mean, if you're going to make a podcast that is advocating for a socialist revolution in the United States of America, you are going to have to address a lot of misinformation in order to win over a lot of people. The unfortunate truth is that the average citizen of this country does not have the first clue about what socialism is or the key concepts of what Karl Marx talked about, which is a dramatic failure of our ed educational institutions due to the reality that Karl Marx is one of, if not the most, influential philosopher of all time. So in the previous podcast, I spent the second half of the episode defining socialism and communism, so that's not what I'm going to do in this one. Instead, I'm going to directly address the idea that socialism goes against human nature. You know, 
the argument that socialism and communism look great on paper, but they are simply non-compatible with humans on a biological level. In this argument is either the spoken or non-spoken implication that capital and the profit incentive is the best incentive structure possible for humans and that this is an inevitable result of human nature. I find it particularly important to address this talking point because it's such a bold claim. I mean, if a system literally does not function with human nature, then it is a system that is forever doomed to fail. So if you buy into this argument, why would you ever bother looking into the nuanced arguments in favor of these ideologies? Now, I find this argument uh, very problematic and even disturbing, and I'm going to explain why. Now, yes, I agree that capitalism is human nature and reflects human nature in a lot of ways. But I would also say that socialism and communism does this as well. And it is the evolution of our nature as a society. Socialism is the realization that the capitalist system of perverse incentives is wrong and nonsensical due to the fact that it is riddled with flaws and contradictions and that we can do a lot better by working together rather than against each other. To say that the idea of people adapting their, adapting their system of commerce in a way that restructures the incentives of production and distribution in a way that is dramatically more efficient at uh, eliminating poverty, uh, the idea that this goes against human nature, I think is pretty much nihilistic and short-sighted. And yet, the only evidence that's ever made on this argument is made from strawmanning socialist and communist ideology. Another important point is that there have been cultures in human history that have had key elements of communism in them, which is evidence that socialism and communism is completely natural to mankind. Just look at different Native American populations where private ownership was not really a thing, and they shared resources and land based on needs. Do people argue that these cultures were unnatural due to these beliefs? Of course they don't, because that's stupid. To say that capitalism is human nature and socialism goes against human nature, end of story, makes no sense. Nature is always evolving. It is not a stagnant force. And I have not seen one shred of evidence, again, that a socialist economic system goes against human nature. Now, the reason I find this argument disturbing in particular is because every time someone or a group of people have a gross amount of power in a society, they use nature to justify it. And they do this because nature never changes. Blaming the grotesque results of capitalism on human nature makes them feel secure and safe within their social class. And it also makes them feel like they rightfully belong there. The pharaohs did this. Countless emperors from all over the world have done this exact thing. Slave owners made this argument. They would, do, uh, they would do horrible things to try to convince a safe population that they were naturally inferior and would not be able to survive without their abusive masters. I mean, the very concept of royalty is exactly that. The belief that their very bloodline is the justification for their power. And it's not a coincidence that you can never change someone's blood. Now, I know that some people listening to this might even be like, well, I agree with that argument, and I'm not of the owning class. I'm not uh, of the upper class, even. 
So that's not why I believe this, but I'm saying the arguments originated from the upper class. It's been like this forever. There's always been these arguments floating around in any really inequitable uh, economic system. This is history. Attributing your power to nature is the oldest trick in the book, and every time is bullshit. Where this argument really comes from is the powerful owning class doing mind gymnastics in order to justify their class position. Many wealthy Americans believe that homeless people are largely deadbeats and need to get a job. They don't care to know the fact that 40% of homeless people in the United States are indeed employed. And that only includes taxed jobs. Just think about how many more homeless people are under the table employed. And their response to this would be something like, well, they need to get a better job. And that's when you realize that goalposts will always be moving in order to justify an immoral system if you are massively benefiting from that system at the expense of others. So that's me debunking that argument. If you guys disagree, or if you have any counterpoints to make to me debunking that, or anything from this episode, the current events, my take on them, whatever you want, uh, just send me an email. Thanks for listening, and I will see y'all next week, either Sunday or Monday. Stay safe, and have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Patriotic Communist. All of the music you heard in this podcast was produced and performed by me, Max Rice. And if you would like to check it out, just search Max Rice on any streaming platform. That's M-A-X-R-I-C-E. Yes, like the food, Rice. This is Max Rice signing off. Direction of attention, benefits, big powers. I mentioned y'all try to lessen the questions and attentions. Money equals power. We gotta kill this connection. These force fed concepts make no sense. How y'all hating immigrants and we control by the one percent. Zombified by screens, dehumanization comes easily. All here are Americans' premises, but this line of thought is a normality. Full of fallacies while we stay combative overseas. Lies and more lies as far as I can see. And no one cares because of. The mass distractions We're expected to not question How the government uses our taxes Unless it's helping people Then they ramble like that's all to see Though we need to free the people We need a fucking hero We need some MLK, FD, style of change We're full of pain and ignorant But won't live in fear Though we need some yellow vest Bulletproof vests and bold claims We need that fire in our hearts That can't be tamed We need to reject and correct Our collective violent actions But it won't happen Fuck we're all distracted.